Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of the UFO movie thingamajig. Um, this is Brian Courtney. Darren Jolly is right across the table. Hello. And uh, so at the end of the last segment, you said you wanted to talk about time and what the positive effects of aliens. Well, like, I guess the the spaces where like they clearly draw out this this tension between between military aspects of dealing with uh, UFOs, UAPs, whatever, and maintaining an altruistic uh relationship to them and like like the best the the strongest example that i can think of right off the top of my head is is obviously the star trek stuff because um depending on who you're talking to with regards to um how they interact with with alien races so like there's the concept of exploration, right? And then there's the concept of um, sort of like an imperial position, like taking over new territory. So like Klingons would would have looked at the Starfleet as more, at least until maybe after the Undiscovered Country, um, they'd look at the, uh, the Starfleet as a military organization. The Romulans definitely looked at Starfleet as a, as a military organization. The Cardassians clearly looked at Starfleet as a military organization. Um, but the way that uh, Starfleet saw themselves, so say for instance, like uh, there's this one episode where, um, and this is on The Next Generation, um, where Riker is down. One thing that you had said last um episode is if you were going to go and if you were militarily going to confront uh, a different uh, like uh, alien species you would go and you would do recon so like this is something that inside of Star Trek they did often there in this this one episode um, Riker had all these prosthetic you know uh, things put on him like make it look like he had three fingers make it look like you know these weird things on his head to make it look like he was a person from the uh, the planet that he was going to and uh, he ends up getting in some sort of an altercation he's in the hospital and all of these uh, medical professionals in the hospital are like his his heart's in the wrong place his lungs are in the wrong place and they end up realizing they're like well he clearly he's not from here and the the problem is so like they were going to this planet because they were on the cusp of having a warp drive right so like the um, the the time period when aliens from the Federation would go and introduce themselves to new uh, species, new, new, new planet, new people on another planet, it, it would always be like when they had developed warp, warp speed. And uh, this planet, they were right next to it, but they were s- very xenophobic. So. Um, uh, through a number of things, through Riker getting caught, um, 
they they like uh, Picard and uh, Troy go down to the planet and introduce themselves to the leader and to the their main science person, this science lady who is the head of the uh, the group the the part of the government that was developing the warp speed capabilities. Um, the way that it went down they're like how do we not know you're not some somebody who's trying to colonize us how do we not know that you're and uh, they basically told them we don't want you here now you're gonna have to go because the response to Riker was a demonstration that there was this hyper xenophobic disposition and anybody that wasn't they still thought that they were the center of the universe much like we do right now right um, so they remove themselves from the planet and say you know we hope we can see you in the future when you get to the point you know where you're actually getting off the planet and going to other places but um, it's all that stuff rooted in the the prime directive right there's another uh, episode where they're going and they're just basically doing anthropological st studies like they're looking at this uh, proto-vulcan group they're not vulcans from vulcan they're but they're like uh, uh, biologically like siblings to Vulcans and uh, like uh, something happens they have a, a duck what do you call it a duck a duck bill or something like that blind a, a duck blind that's what I was yes you've got it so they've been watching them for all this time and then there's this uh, their generator that's keeping the hologram up it's keeping them invisible to the uh, the species it, it, it malfunctions and like the the enterprise is trying to go get there before anybody sees them but they they fail um and this one this one guy uh i can't, I can't i cannot remember his name in real life but uh he uh he was leland palmer in twin peaks um he ends up seeing him and then he freaks out and he falls off this rock and he he almost dies so um Crusher takes him up to the ship and uh, saves his life, um, and they try to erase his memories. But while he's getting his life saved, he can see Picard as the leader of all these people. So when he gets back down to their their planet, um, and his memory hasn't been erased sufficiently, uh, there's this uh, quote from uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Any sufficient advanced technology is indis is indistinguishable from magic, right? So, like, if you just have bows and arrows, right, and that's how you get your food, and then you see these people that can, you know, transport you up to, you know, they can bring you back to life when you're almost dead, that, that seems like magic. So there's this uh, instance where at, at the resolution of it, they, they keep referring to God as the Picard, right? The Picard, blah, 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 blah. Um, he's telling... Uh, the Leto is the name of the character. Don't you know? I'm not a god. I can die just like you die. And he shoots him with an arrow, and you know, gets he ends up on his ass. But there's this uh, this space in it where he. So they're they're like, well, why can't you give us all this technology? And they're like, well, because if I gave it to you right now, you wouldn't develop in your own way. So that's the same thing with that other group um, where Riker had unintentionally got caught with his pants down while he was on the planet and got injured so in the space um, of Star Trek you have this tension where you have 
science exploration, which is essentially what's happening in both of those instances where they're um, trying to see how close a, a civilization is to um, getting to a point where progress sort of like sort of happens over and over and over again. The whole point is to continue to grow, to continue to develop. It's not about fighting each other anymore. It's not about fighting amongst amongst yourselves. It's about uh, getting um, bettering yourself, bettering yourself as a society collectively. Um, but then you have that counterpoint, and these other s civilizations are very developed, no doubt. The, the Klingons were very developed, the, the Romulans, the, uh, the Cardassians, but their whole sort of social disposition was still bound to this sort of military concept. So there's that, that tension in Star Trek constantly, where um, the idea is that Star Trek is not a military body but you know when you look at all the uh, the star treks with with chris pine and uh that that time period uh, it's hard to deny that while they saw themselves as altruistic that there were these tendencies inside of them that were still very militaristic and they hadn't quite gotten away from uh that that headspace that that social space where these sort of like imperial tendencies are still there they're not entirely gone um you're you're still afraid of something that's not totally connected to you so you react militarily under certain circumstances um and it drives that tension forward um but you you at least have both things happening at the same time you 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 want to think a lot of people when they talk about star trek they want to think of it in these pure terms where it's like just about society continuing to revolutionize itself over and over and over again and everybody sort of functioning on behalf of that society but that's never entirely true do you, you know what i you know what i mean yeah i well i don't know i was sitting there thinking while you were talking and i mean obviously if you look at the united states right now there are lots of countries around the world that think of us as a military institution and for very goddamn good reason. But maybe on some level, not all of them, because I, I just don't believe that they think they're doing it for the right reasons. But there are probably some people that think we're doing it. Like, you know, they, they always made the argument that we went into Afghanistan. We weren't just after bin Laden, but we wanted to free those women the the oppressed women of Afghanistan. And yeah, I'm I'm down with that. That's great. I think it's a good idea. I just don't buy it. Um I don't think that that's why you were doing it. I think you were doing it because there were huge deposits of rare earth elements. I think you were doing it because it made for a nice base to establish some balance within the region. You know, these are the reasons I think you're doing it, which I think is why people think of us as driven militarily. It's really a wolf in sheep's like democracy is is the sheep's clothing. Yeah, and we don't we don't give a shit about those people. I mean, there are still women in Africa where they're sewing their fucking vagina shut because they don't want them to have sex. Well, they're 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 cutting off the clits. They, they do that yeah. too. I never heard about anybody sewing pussy shut. I'm. Well, the clit thing was for pleasure. We're taking away yeah. your pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, way, yeah, they're fucking completely fucking these girls up, but we're not 
invading that country because we want to free those women. Yeah, because they don't have rare earth minerals and they don't, yeah. Right. Or oil or diamonds and gold or whatever. So I just don't buy it. Um, but I would like to think that maybe we could get there at some point where it is truly not not altruistic because I don't know that anybody can be altruistic. I think we can make attempts. Um, but just to do things for the right reasons, whatever those why, why can't people be altruistic? Um, I don't want to get into this whole debate, but because once you think you're being altruistic, you are no longer altruistic. <laughs> your, your, your suggestion is, is that, the, I mean, you're making an argument about the selfless acts not being selfless acts because they become selfish at that point. Right. Yeah, I think you're splitting the fucking hairs. <laughs> I really do. I think that when you're talking about altruism, it has more more to do with like subjectivity transcending uh, singular points of subjectivity. So that's fair. You and I have had this argument yeah, before. No, that's why I had to pick at you a little bit. So, but uh, but definitely, Star Trek does a good job of walking those various different lines. I mean, because it comes up over and over and over again, where the militarism versus the um, doing things for the sake of something that transcends the individual is 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 out there, and at least it's something that they're sort of like playing with. And whether or not they ever achieve it, of course, it's easy. It's easier to achieve in your mind than it is in in reality. But it is a good sort of like uh, social exercise. The same. I mean, in contact, the same thing comes up in that. Like I said earlier, you know, you got you got that that tension where the James Wood character is the representation of militarism one one thing that happens and I'm kind of irritated but at the end of the film so she has this experience like they 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 let the machine and they drop the ball and she goes down through it and she's literally it literally takes like uh 34 seconds for the ball to hit the um uh the trampoline type thing that's sitting at the bottom of it but uh so they have her do at the end of the the film she's in front of congress and there are all these people asking her about what happened um and james wood's like this is something that happened to your head it's a self-reinforcing delusion um you know occam's razor you know what you're suggesting is like so far outside the the norm of what what would be the simplest explanation because the simplest explanation tends to be the right one um, and of course, like there's that, like the love interest that goes on between she and uh, um, Matthew McConaughey, yeah. And uh, like she takes a hard stand for science all the time, and he's like, "How can you take a hard stance for science without accepting?" And this is an argument that you've made a ton of times to Aaron and in, in, in other spaces, and I totally agree with you on this. Where Science is not an act purely of data. It is also an act of faith in certain moments that you believe in what it is that you're doing, that you, 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 you trust in what you know based on what you know because what you're going to know tomorrow is going to be different than what you know today. So, but you have to accept that, it's, that you have an incomplete, you do not have a complete information account of what it is that's happening therefore you're 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 operating so like at the very end when she says when they're like he, he's like you know james wood is like 
you know, you would you would be acting with the same, you know, incredulity that we would if you were in our places and you didn't go through this experience. And then she's like, he's like, why don't you just withdraw your testimony? She's like, I can't because everything that happened to me, you know, I believe was real, you know. And basically she's accepting the argument that Palmer McConaughey's character had made throughout the entire thing, throughout the entire thing. Um, but I think that what they're suggesting in that moment is that that's the only way that we can get away from that sort of militaristic sort of like disposition. Like, it's healthy to be skeptical, again. Like, you, you should put yourself in a position to where you are capable of protecting yourself, or at least if somebody tries to manipulate something, you can fuck them up. But you do have to have a measure of faith when you're going through these acts. Otherwise, what the fuck are you doing it for in the first place? Well, and the whole, the, the simplest explanation thing, you know, should be there. But I think that they have to accept the fact, again, that that's the simplest explanation based on the facts that we have right now. Mm -hmm. It's not the simplest explanation, period. Um, it's kind of like what you were saying about what is what is it that makes a person uh, like um, not a specialist but uh, qualified to make a determination into in, like a specialist? Right. What makes them an authority? An authority. That's yeah. What I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, and it's fine. You can give your fucking testimony, but that testimony should be based on stuff you actually know, not things you've heard from someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's aliens or fucking ghosts or whatever. I mean, people say they see fucking ghosts all the time, too, and talk about demons and poltergeists and whatever. You don't see them testifying in front of Congress saying that we need more military money so that we can fight fucking ghosts or... Unless it's those two guys. Possessions. From, unless that's two guys from Supernatural, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Dean and the, the Winchester brothers. So it's just, it's, it's one of those things that people, like I, again, accept that aliens could and probably do exist. What I don't accept is Congress saying, you know what, this guy is right. We do need to write a bigger check for military development because there's a chance that they're going to attack. There's also a chance that they could come here and bring us something to fucking clean up all the water that we've fucked up or, from day one. Or a super energy source that allows us to not be destroying everything that we... Right. Yeah. I mean, those are just as viable possibilities as them coming to fuck us up. Whatever. We, no, but it, it's important because like, what's, what's central to that is... So in the movie Arrival, right, which is another one where you have this pure science versus militaristic disposition, like uh, the it's Dennis Villanueva is the director. I, I I love this guy. I think I, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, right I can't now. wait for Dune to come out. Yeah, he's the one that's doing the new Dunes. So yeah, I think it's November, end of November. That's coming out definitely. October is it October? Uh, either way, sooner the sooner the better. I, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. So unless they changed it again, but. But in uh, in that in the movie Arrival, um, they do all this really fucked up uh, 
time horizon things where when so the the aliens come down there's 12 ships they're all over the um they're all over the earth there's two in russia there's one in sudan there's one in pakistan there's one in china there's one in the u.s they're all over the place some in europe you know there's 12 of them australia blah 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 um there's two aliens on each ship when they uh when the main character amy whatever her name is goes up to uh they have they have her because she's a language expert and then uh jeremy renner is uh is a math sci a math science expert and uh what the the main character figures out is that we have to be able to start communicating with them so she kind of starts to show them some things about our language and how that con that connects to our subjectivity and through that uh, the two aliens, which they call Abbott and Costello, because the way that they write their names, we don't have any framework for for saying. Um, uh, when they when they enter, so let me go. Let me go back for just a second. She finds that common ground where they're communicating with one another, but that's got to be kind of a uh, a swap. So she starts to kind of understand what their language is, and they start to kind of understand what our language is. But there's this whole thing um, in their uh, interactions where by learning their language, it starts to affect the way that she perceives time. So she starts to get bound up in their concept of subjectivity. And our subjectivity is rooted in this space where we're all separate individuals we don't have a way of even thinking about every time you interact with a new individual you have to do all these things to build trust right everything otherwise this person is just opposite to you you don't know who they are you don't know what they do you don't know what their assumptions are and they could take take uh, advantage of you um, but in that movie by looking at the world through their framework of understanding things she becomes enmeshed in their subjectivity to where she actually starts to stretch out her own subjectivity to start touching base with all these other people. And one of the big antagonists in it is this uh, is the Chinese um, military guy. And she does this thing towards the end of the film where she reaches out to him through a, like a private number. And she, he, she quotes to him his wife's dying words which is a comment about like how war just is an endless thing that never takes you down a good path and to say that to the general of the chinese military is a kind of a crazy thing to say but it opens up this space where everything isn't rooted in this deg absolute degree of cynicism but the way that we construct knowledge the way that we interact with other one another right now where everybody's rel like hostile you know towards the other because trust is not there like it just i i understand what you're saying and i i don't know i mean dude i'm a fucking cynic there is no doubt um but i think within that cynicism i see a chance to you know try to understand what people are thinking or why they do what it is that they do um, I don't think most people have that thought, no matter how 
phony they are with, you know, being outgoing and smiling and shaking hands and whatever. Everything that they do is based on small talk. And it's also based on, well, that guy's black. I'm not going to tell him anything because I'm scared of him. Because the news says I'm supposed to be scared of black people. I don't like those people because they're Mexican. And I know that they're trying to invade the United States and take all of our jobs. So I'm not going to talk to him. So all of this shit that they do is just completely phony unless you catch them when they're off guard, like the lady that clutches her purse because she sees, you know, whatever color they are, youth coming toward her and she's afraid that they're going to grab her purse. They don't want your fucking purse, lady. Why would you assume that that's what they're going to automatically do? I mean, people are fucking retarded. Um, Sorry, I'm not going to go off on it. But I I get what you're saying. Like, we have to understand what it is that someone else has to say, especially if they're from somewhere else and may have more knowledge than we do. There, there's a concept that comes out at the end where, dude, it is, it is, and like I know some people that when it comes to the, uh, the movie, they thought it was just kind of like a trite, like uh, playing with the narrative the way that it comes out because she's, Amy, Amy Adams keeps remembering these things in the future. So like, in Fringe, they they do this thing one time where there's a they're talking about how the observers see time versus the way that we see time. And so like the way that we see, there's a tube that's filled with water, right? And we see it in segments, like as, but the the observers are capable of seeing the whole thing at the same time, right? So Amy Adams, through the uh, interaction with this language, starts to do what the observers do. She remembers things that she doesn't even know. She's remembering things from the future. And, uh, there's this space where her daughter, when she's about 10 years old, asks her a question. She's like, what do you call it when two sides um, come out of uh, a negotiation happy? And Amy Adams says, uh, uh, a compromise. She's like, no, it's not a compromise. It's something more. Um, and uh, she finally gets around to where she says it's a non-zero-sum game, right? So, like, the point of, like, getting to that, and that's what her daughter was trying to get her to remember. And she, that's what puts her back to where she actually gets to the space, knowing that she needs to reach out to this, the Chinese general. She calls him with a phone number that he gives her in the future. He tells her, she tells him his wife's dying words. And she, again, she's reaching out into the future for this to happen. But... That concept of the non-zero-sum game, it takes things out of this quantifiable space where we're everything is is a, is is a you know, well if I get seven then you get three you know, or if I get one hundred and forty-two then you only get fifty-eight or something like that. Whatever the quantifiable disposition is, where there's a concrete winner and a concrete loser, as opposed to like understanding that we're all sort of part of the social fabric that creates the space of possibilities and you know allows us to meditate on what it is that's possible in a given space outside the context of a straight military you know or like the prisoner's dilemma or any 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 space where there have to be winners or losers right i mean 
Like, I don't know. I fucking love that movie, though. I think it was fucking awesome. And it definitely put the tension between people that look forward or have a way of looking forward differently. And it's not this straight. The one thing I really liked about it is it's not this straight. Part of the reason why I don't like Star Trek as much as I used to is because Star Trek is rooted in that liberal disposition. Like, I think if you want to imagine something, it has to have a different temporal uh, rhythm to it where it's not because we don't like we don't really know what the trajectories are we don't really know what the vectors are we don't know how to fucking get where it is that we're going we don't know what new is new is a very difficult concept to fucking well most of us don't know where we've been well that's a that's probably a fact too I don't even know if I know where we've been I know how it was framed for me you know I know how I go back over it trying to look at you know how it's been bastardized but that in its own right is like a a brutally infinite fucking process. Yeah. But at least you have key parts of it. Whatever those may or may not be. I mean, fuck up until 10 years ago, they had buried Sand Creek, the Sand Creek Massacre. There was nothing about it. And now there's a fucking museum, um, which I think is both scary and hysterical in the the same breath um yeah so i'm not even real sure where to go like the the time you were talking about the arrival uh-huh. i kept thinking of this fucking line so jennifer conley and uh keanu reeves are talking and the day, day the earth stood still yeah and she says are you here she's to hurt smoking, us are you smoking hot i dude. love jennifer conley but um She's talking to Keanu Reeves, and she says something along the lines of, you know, are you here to hurt us, or are you a friend? And he says, I'm a friend of the earth. And so she just automatically assumes that means the earth and all of the people. But he's here to take kind of a, it's got a fucking stupid religious tone to it because he's taken two of every animal and whatever because we have fucked up the earth so bad that we're going to die. So he's a friend of the earth and he's taking everybody off and he's going to create, he's going to kill everyone with this fucking weird nano technology. Um, But was he an alien? He's a friend of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that, I mean, again, it shows kind of our, fucking arrogance of the thing like that we understand when she says are you here to hurt us and he says no i'm a friend of the earth because he didn't want to say well yeah i'm gonna fucking kill all of you but she just automatically she's like oh a friend of the earth well i'm part of the earth so he must not be here to hurt me she asked the wrong she asked the wrong (laughs) question (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um obviously there's a lot that could be said about any one of these movies. I mean, did you ever see The Knowing or Knowing? Probably, but I don't know. The name sounds familiar, but I can't remember it. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Oh no, yeah. I didn't watch yeah. that. That's the three second one, right? What's the three second one? Where he can remember three seconds into the future or some shit. No, no, this is where. So like this, uh, this kid. Um, starts writing all these numbers down and it predicts future events 
and Nicolas Cage figures out, you know, like what's going on, and it turns out that his son and this lady's daughter daughter are going to be saved by angels, but the angels are really like UFO, like like beings from another planet, and they take them and t take them to the other planet to to repopulate it. But uh, it's kind of a mind fuck when when you watch it, but it's it's the same kind of thing, like like in in the back of Nicolas Cage's head he thinks that he's going to find a way to beat the code and live with his son and of course his dad is a preacher and he's a ph a physicist so like there's that tension and he ends up going with his dad when the uh the act of destroying the earth comes and they get the fucking kids off and they're the only ones that end up surviving but angels is fucking ufo's is another goofy ass kind of some weirdo, like I remember we were at this party. I, I remember Trisha Height was there. Anyway, I was like fucking 19, 20 years old, and I'm getting hammered. And we started talking about UFOs, I think, and some weirdo goes, you're going to be real fucking surprised when Jesus Christ flies in on a UFO. <laughs> Jesus came riding up on a quasar. And that kind of stick in my head because it was just such a weird fucking comment but that kind of goes like was it i think it was the second matrix where they were talking about any weird shit that happened whether it was vampires werewolves or angels yeah. or any of this stuff it's a, from a previous iteration of the it, matrix it was something that they couldn't get rid of it was basically a bug in the system so, yeah, maybe all of this shit, all of these weirdo religious nut jobs that see this shit, maybe it is angels. Maybe it is aliens and they call them angels. I, I don't fucking know. I definitely don't have the answers. Just as a funny side, side note on that, the, 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 the previous iterations, because so the Merovingian, you know what the Merovingians were? It, they were they were there was the, so like they they talked about it in the Da Vinci Code, but it was the family that uh, they they escaped from uh, um, with with Jesus and uh, Mary Magdalene's child, and they went to France. And the Merovingian was that that was the family's blood descendants from from Jesus, suggesting that, that he had a kid. And to call that first guy the Merovingian in relation to Neo the Merovingian would have been one of like the first or second generation iterations of he would have been the uh what's it called the uh um patriarch the, the anomaly you know like uh like he oh, would have okay. been the, the pre-neo neo like from a different iteration he's like he's just like the the werewolves and the, i'm not the werewolves the, the the vampires and all that shit but he was he was neo in a previous iteration that was the suggestion clearly Okay. We, you remember like she said she said I, I want to I want to kiss him and she says oh I felt that once before that was her saying that she was Trinity and he was Neo in a previous iteration of the Matrix okay I I don't know dude I like I never read all the weird religious shit into the matrix that everybody like every fucking Catholic I know loved that fucking movie really yeah it was but they read all kinds of shit into it and talked about you know Jesus coming to save us and well I, 
Like, I, I don't take it to that level. I just know that... I know that little mythology about the Merovingians in relation, and the fact that they called him that. There, that was not a, a mistake. That's all I'm saying. So they did that on purpose. Well, I'm sure they do pretty much everything on purpose. Yeah, they're crazy. They like to write things that make people think. Um, okay, so I don't know. We went off on a little bit of a tangent there. You? Me? Um, tangent? It, it's kind of a strange occurrence when that happens. Um, so we kind of talked about the bugs thing. Um, th- I I wanted to talk about, I don't know, there's a couple, like, there's a few that make me laugh because they're so fucking stupid that they make me laugh and I probably shouldn't be laughing. Um, there's a couple that they've made that were supposed to be fucking funny um the one i just watched it again the other night called the watch i think it came out in 2010 it had the the guy from uh the it crowd the black guy from the it crowd was in it and i never can remember his name um vince vaughn was in it and ben stiller i know nothing about this movie well they started a neighborhood watch because this guy got murdered at the Costco and they started a neighborhood watch while it turned out that they were fighting against aliens while they were in the neighborhood watch and it was the aliens that had killed the the security guard. That was a funny fucking movie and it was supposed to be funny. Mars Attacks was funny and it was supposed to be funny and they stacked Mars Attacks with fucking... Yeah, there were a lot of people just in that, though. shitloads of people. Nicholson was in it. Michael J. Fox was in it. Annette Benning was in it. Um, Jim Brown was in it. So you know it had to be good if Jim Brown was in it. Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Um, so Danny, it was Danny, full of stuff. And Danny that was DeVito. one that was supposed to be funny. Battleship was not supposed to be funny. And why the fuck, like, I guess Transformers was such a success, they decided that they could make other toys in the movies. Um, but Battleship was like a board game. You I, sunk my Battleship. Right. Um, but they were fighting aliens in Battleship. There was one called Battle Los Angeles that was so fucking bad it made me laugh. Yeah, I couldn't. I watched half of it. I, I couldn't get through it. Cowboys versus Aliens? No, not, not in this lifetime. Oh. Horrible fucking movie, dude. So stupid it made me laugh. Um, now, the ones that I liked that were supposed to be funny, well, besides The Watch and Mars Attacks, were Evolution. That was an Ivan Reitman movie. Yeah, I, still, I haven't seen and that. And I don't even know if we can technically consider it because basically a, a meteor hit and it had these cells on it and the the cells started to evolve once they hit our atmosphere and they grew into big nasty fucking aliens that were going to kill us all. I think that qualifies. Um, but David Duchovny, um, he's got two first names, actually three. It's Sean William Scott, I think was in it 
um, Orlando something or other. He was on Seven Up commercials. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll definitely know who that is. Julianne Moore, uh, Dan Aykroyd. There were a whole bunch of people on that one too, and Reitman did it, so it was funny, and it was supposed to be funny. Um, but as they evolved, you know, they'd end up getting wings and flying, and they'd have to fight off that alien, and then it it was just kind of funny, and they. I don't know. If you haven't seen Evolution, you probably should check it out. If you like Reitman. Let's see, you got Ethan Supley in it, the the dude from American History X. Well, that's the guy from that I was saying from Remember the Titans. I, I, I've i not seen that either. So and I, I think make that connection. I think he played Michael Myers in one of the Halloweens. Really? I'm not positive, but he's a big dude, so he could probably get away with it. He was a big dude, to be sure. Is he dead? Well, it looks like he lost a bunch of weight. That's why I said that. Oh, okay. Um, but the other one is a Lauren Michaels production, so it's a Saturday Night Live thing, and it's the Coneheads. I can watch that fucking movie over and over and over again. No, I, I watched it once, and I don't even remember anything about it because of how bad it was. And as an added bonus, I think one of my favorite Paul Simon songs ever is in it, Kodachrome. I'm not going to watch a movie just so I can see Kodachrome. Okay, well, whatever. So did they, did they, did they like, drive you intellectually? Did they really get you thinking about things? No, dude, it was a fucking comedy. Um, Some comedies can make a person think. Well, again, it was... I mean, the Air Force wasn't after these guys. It was the fucking INS because they were here and they bought illegal papers. So he was trying to bust them for working here. And when the fucking alien spacecraft came to grab him, he jumped up on there and was saying, no, you're not getting away from me. Um, so they ended up taking him to the other planet, him and David Spade. David Spade was in it, too. Well, the whole fucking Saturday Night Live crew was in it. Um, David Spade was there. Um, what's his name? Fucking Happy Gilmore. And Adam Sandler was in it. Um, He'd have been young then, too, huh? He was definitely younger. Uh, Tim, what's his name? the one who played ladies man but it was all mostly saturday night live guys jane Curtin and dan Aykroyd did it because they did the coneheads back when it was still saturday night live um it was a good flick chris farley was in it did he do some uh slapstick i mean that's his whole thing not really um but he started dating the daughter. The Conehead daughter? And some stupid shit happened. Like, they went to Subway. I don't know why Subway likes to fucking advertise in Saturday Night Live movies, but they do. They um, probably have a Saturday Night Live contract. Maybe. I don't know. Lauren Michaels might know somebody at, at Subway. But the whole Conehead family eats lots and lots of everything anything a human would do they do it exponentially greater 
so he takes her out for lunch and they're at subway and she fucking pounds this fucking sandwich like swallows it whole almost (laughs) and he's like i've never seen anybody except my mom take a sandwich like that and she's like oh and burps she said are you gonna eat that um and then Dan Aykroyd rips his car open and says, I don't ever want to see you again or I will put sufficient force on your blunt skulls so that you cease to live or some shit. And he's like, okay, thank you. And he just closed the fucking car up. It's just stupid, funny shit. Um, but no, no thought at all. I don't think it made me think, you know, I wonder about the INS. The guy that did the INS stuff, he was kind of crazy, though. He's like, so when we bring, when the Mexicans get caught here, let's put a collar on them and we'll bury a wire all along the border so that when they come back over and he turns this thing on and it lights this little plastic thing on fire. Um, So I guess it does make you think about diplomatic relations between us and Mexico to some degree. (laughs) <laughs> that is what we call a stretch. Yes, it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. No, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just looking at my list. You brought up the abyss. I mean, that was one that was definitely sort of like the liberal disposition. But it was cool because it wasn't something coming from outside. It was something that. It, it had come from outside at some point, but it had been underwater for a long time. That was kind of a an odd fucking twist on a science fiction movie where you're dealing with, like, their spaceship was, you know, landed underwater for forever. Well, and they weren't trying to hurt us. No, but, definitely and not. And in fact, they fucking rescued all of those people, mm-hmm. you know, and took them up to the top when whatever they're water substation started it to got flood. Cut, yeah, it got cut off from, from what was above them. There was a huge hurricane. Vert- the, and then that dipshit was having some underwater problems. So he dr- he sent the uh, nuclear bomb down. Virgil goes down to get the... Uh, who is it? Ed Harris, I guess, is the... Yeah, played that person. Goes down there to, def- to defuse the bomb. And he's dying. And... One of the fucking a- two of the aliens come and snag him, get him down there, get him some air, and then come up and bring the underwater mining thing, whatever mining state, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, I can't remember why they were down there. They were mining. It was a, it was some sort of an underwater oil oil rig or something like that. So definitely not altruistic in that way. So <laughs> no, but nevertheless, the aliens still saved them. Um, but is that the liberal disposition that you're talking about, where well, they that, save them that, that instead everything, of everything's good, everything's bad? I mean, good. This is just you know positivity, and if we hold hands together and sing kumbaya, you know. I mean, um, yeah, but it was an okay movie. It wasn't a horrible movie. Oblivion. Now that was a fucking weird fucking movie. They totally wrecked the human race. But we didn't have a shot. Did you ever see that one? I'm trying to think. 
Who was in it? Tom Cruise and some redheaded chick. No, I'm not a Tom Cruise guy. Dude, I, he, he does some really good science fiction. You watched Edge of Tomorrow, right? Yeah, I finally ended up watching it when they changed the name because when they first named it, it was called Live, Die, Repeat, which is fucking stupid. Um, yeah, I ended up watching that, but that was just because you and Janae kept hounding me about it. <laughs> Janae was kind of hounding you about it, too. So in Oblivion, this like big-ass triangle thing comes, and it's like circling the Earth, so they send like a a space shuttle type thing up to uh to meet with it uh it, it won't respond so um the carrier the character victoria and jack jack is tom cruise they get pulled in like it has some tractor beam thing and it pulls them in and they eject because all the other people that are inside of the spaceship are um hibernating so they eject them they get taken inside of the uh the spaceship, which is the Tet, and the Tet basically goes and fucking destroys everybody else that's on Earth, and they didn't know about the um, them uh, kicking out those other astronauts, so they're just rotating around the Earth, rotating around the Earth for a long time, and they clone those two individuals, and they put them in all these different places, Sector 84, Sector 83, Sector 163, all over the globe, I have seen Oblivion. That's when they. That's the fucking. Morgan Freeman's in it. Yeah, they have the. Jamie Lannister's in it. Weird floating thing that's like his house, right? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yes, they're up there, and they they go down, and if. so and there was, was some weird time thing, right? Well, it, time got fucked up in their heads because they're. Like I said, they're being, uh, they're bred. You know, they're like test tube babies. And when they get to a certain age, they send them down there and replace them with the old ones. And the the individual, the consciousness inside the Tet took for granted the fact that they still maintain some measure of memory. So uh, one of the individuals that was shot out of that spaceship that had been circling around the Earth for all that time period was Tom Cruise's Jack's uh, fiance, and he keeps having dreams about her. He's like, who's this fucking person that I keep having dreams about? And then finally, it gets stuck in the atmosphere, and it comes down. So this one, one of the 732 Jacks that are living around the Earth helping to maintain the... Uh, they're, they're taking water from the ocean. That's like what the, the long-term goal is of this Tet thing. And... Uh, He goes down and he's he, he's and immediately these things the things that had destroyed everybody on Earth. Um, they go and they start destroying all the people that are in those pots. But he finds this person that he's been having dreams about and he saves her. Right, and at some point he gets stuck in this space where these uh, things that he thinks are the aliens that destroyed the earth who are really just the humans that have survived which is very 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 few um, they take him take him down and tell him basically you're a clone you know you're just over and over and over again you're all those are the ones on like the speeder bikes or whatever right there's some there's a there is a speeder bike thing that no but that that's only what they steal from Jack because those are part of the technology that Jack has that the Tet has given them to, but 
I mean, that one is like, while I will argue that Arrival, the way that they flip it, flip it around, that isn't just a narrative thing. The Oblivion one was just kind of a dorky, a dorky narrative thing. And him and uh, Morgan Freeman go up and uh, make a nuclear missile go off in there to destroy the Tet so that they can all go on. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that vaguely now that you sort of described it. But that that's like an alien when we're like we were so overwhelmed we never had a shot in the first place. So Well that's I mean, honestly that's what I think. If these fucking races people from other planets, whatever, if they can fly here in like less time than it takes us to get to Mars, I'm pretty sure that they can just fuck us up as much as they want to and never even admit to being here. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Air Force defense can fucking catch them on radar or sonar or whatever. Well, I mean, um, if anything is true about the stuff that we talked about, I mean, if any of that stuff really is alien, like the Tic Tac thing, the way that those things can move, the way that they can go through water you know we got we have no shot against anything like that we it, it better be something more like they're not going to engage us until we get to a certain development with regards to our technology and once we get to that point they might come and try to help us to not fucking kill ourselves or it's got I, I mean i have to hope that it's positive you know because you're i totally think you're right like we're not even thinking on because honestly like we think about like travel like that as if you're going from spot a to spot b in a straight line i mean when you're talking about stars that you're you're, you're seeing what they're so they say they're four four light years away right it's 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 off by four you're seeing where it was at four years ago right i mean so there are some serious concrete problems with the way that we approach the construction of the universe where if there are things like multiple dimensions um, there was this one stupid movie that I was watching earlier today and it was like a it was called uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Time Fifth Kind it was a it was a documentary and uh, where did I put my little notes on that um, what they were showing was like it's almost like like if you imagine like what we were looking at something in 2d like what would that look like to us and what would we look like to that so we might be seeing something that's operating on you know the 18th dimension or whatever so it blips in and out really quick but we don't have any way of really engaging that because we don't fucking understand what the fourth fucking dimension is or the third fifth dimension or again like even as i talk about it i'm talking about it in a linear way and i i don't think if you start to grasp these things that you're going to think about it in a linear way you know there's something that we have no shot against anybody that's that's that can manipulate space and time on that level we would be fucking I, I really, really hope that they would be here not to destroy us because they could whoop our asses in, you know, three seconds flat. If that long. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't even have to be here. I mean, maybe they can just fucking launch a fucking ray from wherever they are and 
wipe us out and then come and fucking take our water and whatever else. Whatever, yeah. Whatever it would be that they would have an interest in. If, yeah. Or if it was like uh, Jupiter ascending, where they just harvest our energy so that they can live forever. And maybe they have no interest in us at all because we're just a bunch of fucking assholes that's what they probably they probably just come here like we're like we're like this is earth yellowstone national park go look and see what the stupid fucking beings that live down there do yeah look at how they fucking kill each other look at how they create these fucking things that look like little toys in the ground and explode you know it's like going to a zoo i i i mean that's it's gotta be you know because it makes more sense than trying to get it we don't we can't even learn from each other much less something else we're on the defensive in that space like it's funny that it's almost comically like ironic that our bullshit way of doing democracy has maintained itself without imploding on itself this this long i mean it's definitely had a few moments where it almost totally imploded but i bet you those aliens would be laughing their asses off at us like seinfeld you know Look at those guys. They're 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 following those four legged things and picking their poop up off the ground. What kind of fucking idiot does that? Dogs? Yeah, yeah, that's what Seinfeld was like like if an alien came and watched us do that. Yeah. We definitely do some stupid shit. I don't know. Um <laughs> I covered most of my movies. I mean, I left a couple of them out, which I should have talked about the faculty because it was kind of in that same category of puppet masters and um, invasion of the body snatchers. What's the faculty? The faculty, um, John Stewart was in it. Um, Selma Hayek was in it. Uh, The kid, I don't know, he was in Green Street Hooligans. Um, anyway, th- so this kid finds this thing and he thinks that it's a new species and his science teacher, John Stewart, is really excited about the whole thing. Well, they figure out when they get it wet that it, you know, comes alive. So they threw it in this tank of water. Well, these things, these little bugs basically do the same thing as like the puppet masters do, except I'm not quite sure how they do it Um, because it never really showed it that I can remember. But they basically take over everybody's body um, because these bugs have run out of water on their planet and now they just cruise around from planet to planet trying to get moisture. Um, And... I don't know that like it shows the one coach and it's raining outside and he's just looking up and he's got all this shit coming out of his face and out of his arms and everything because he's just trying to absorb absorb that moisture um but it's you know again along the same lines where they just come here and and take over everybody's body um that would have made sense in that context yeah just as a side note uh uh what's his name uh the guy John Stewart, his, yeah, his his name is Professor Edward Furlong. Yeah, I saw that when I was looking it up, um, a 
couple of days ago, and I thought that that was weird because Ed Furlong is the kid that played the Terminator. Yeah, or in the Terminator. In, the ter- in, in American History X. Yeah. yeah. But why? Why would? I mean, could you think of any reason why they would have made that reference to him? I have no clue. Yeah, dude. that's fucking weird. I'm not. Maybe I have to look at the different names of people in that movie and see if there's not just a bunch of weird science fiction actors in there. Yeah, no idea why they would would have done that. Um, but it's one of those that's kind of the shitty science fiction alien horror movie. And I don't even know if I would call it a cult classic, but it's not something that I would go out to watch. Um, I watch it when it's on, but I watch lots of stupid shit when it's on. You do. You are right about that. Yeah. I am not ashamed to say it. Um, Because I've watched a lot of stupid shit for a long time. That, I mean, if I talked about the faculty, that pretty much clears my fucking list. Oh, that's funny. Well, we didn't talk about Alien Nation. And I only wrote that one down because you started talking about it yesterday. I I made a little reference to it earlier. So yeah, the San Francisco thing. So Sam, I guess we did talk Sam about it. San Francisco. The only two that I have on there that we haven't covered is 2001, 2010, just because of the concept of the monolith being an alien. Like, uh, like it's actually like a driver of history. Like, I never saw either of those movies. I, it, those are important films to watch. 2001, I mean, just because of the concept of... Um, the monolith comes when everything lines up, you know, like planets, this and that. And so at the beginning of 2001, there's apes that are like standing around being apes. And this ape picks up a femur or something and hits it on the ground where there's a skull and smashes the skull. So he realizes the concept of a tool, right? So it's like the first. So he goes and kills one of the other apes and there's then there's a power relationship that develops out of that. So, like, that's, like, the beginning of time, you know, according to Arthur C. Clarke, you know, referencing Hegel and Marx or something like that. I don't know, you know. But uh, um, I only say that in terms of the fact that time existed through those social relations. But, uh, um, and the other thing is when you have an artificial intelligence or something close to that, and you give it conflicting you tell it to do one thing and you tell it to do another thing and those things are contradictory uh, it doesn't have the ability to think creatively so it has to put one above another so the the computer starts killing everybody on the ship so that it can finish its uh you're talking about a how how yes i am and uh then david bowman goes off and then he goes into the monolith right and he he says it's full of stars so like that's the last thing that they get from him in terms of a transmission um but again this is not a traditional way of thinking about aliens it's not a traditional way of thinking about the you know like an alien spaceship it's just the monolith is just this thing that shows up in certain places at certain times when it's time for something different to occur for for you to have a leap a huge mental social you know leap um cool you know and i was actually talking to what's the name of the lazy 
Lazy Jason. Yeah, I was talking the the guy that's there on Sundays, and he told me something that I didn't know. Um, and I looked it up, and he's right. Um, Arthur C. Clarke had not finished two thousand one. He finished two thousand one. Stanley Kubrick and him were actually talking back and forth with regards to ideas. So they finished the movie and the book at the same time, which is different than a a movie being based off of a book. There, right. There's literally like this sort of dialogical process going on between the two of them, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and the only other one besides 2001, 2010 is uh, Alien Nation. But that's where you have like we're in comparable power positions. Like they can kill us, we can kill them. Um, it's like a new Cold War that exists out in out in space. Um, well, I think a lot of them, you know, there's so many levels to all of these movies because I think just on the the face of all of it is, or with Alien Nation specifically. I didn't mean it. I meant Enemy Mine. I was thinking about Enemy Mine. I'm sorry. I said oh, okay. the wrong thing. No, but say, go ahead. Well, no, but even Enemy Mine because those guys fucking hated each other and then ended up having this weird crossbreed baby. Um because he was impregnated when he got there, yeah, and he didn't. He did not make him pregnant. He became pregnant on his own. Okay, May, I just rem- that's fine. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm not going to argue one way or the other. I I, I I watched it about a year and a half ago. My sister like put it on a thing for us, and I watched it two or three times when I was a kid. But it was so fucking weird, and it was so fucking long. It was kind of hard for me to negotiate back then. Well, so it wasn't. You know, a, a weird alien crossbreed baby then. It was just a baby. But he ended up taking care of the baby. But yeah, what I was going to say is that I think all of these movies on some level talk about racism and just dealing with people that we don't know. Yeah, something different. Yes. The other sort of, yeah. Whether or not we're shooting at them or not. Uh-huh. Um you know, with the bug thing, maybe that's different. I don't know. But like you said, with District 9, it was talking about a, apartheid. Um, well, it depends on how they how they put it in those. In, some of them definitely are direct comparisons to our current or previous human, whatever, to our human existence. Well, I think Alien Nation was that way. I think Alien Mine or Enemy Mine was that way. I mean, because those guys fucking hated each other, but it wasn't necessarily racism it was because you know they were on different planets and they always hated each other because they didn't know what the fuck the other one did and you know the one believed the propaganda that the one was saying and the other believed the propaganda that their people were saying and so they hated each other and fought constantly i thought of it as like the soviets in the us ultimately because it was full civilizations like like you just said like they and they did not know anything about except for in some caricature it's sort of yeah sort just of shit that people feed you through the media and whatever but they were forced to survive together so and like you said he, re- he ends up raising his kid and then he goes back and he ends up becoming like the first like real diplomat like he through what happens with him raising that kid because they save each other, and he's, you know, and that really, they really save each other. Well, he ended up getting in a fight, too, when Dennis Quaid came back because they were making fun of the kid or something, right? No, and they he had t- to so punch there was, somebody? There were some people that were on the planet that were they had, like, a mining operation, so they stole the kid to use him, and they they were using them as labor. They had, st- they had stolen other kids like, like him and brought, and it just so happens to be that they were on that planet. 
So they stole the kid, and then he went and saved him from there and saved the other kids from there. And he finally, I think if I remember correctly, because of those miners, when he finally removed them from that spot, he, he had the ability to get out of there finally to save them because they they were stranded otherwise. You know, they didn't have, their both of their fucking uh, spaceships were destroyed. So yeah. he needed some other means to get off the planet. And it seemed like through the miners he finally created that space but it's so it's it, it is weird because it was like 1983 1984 when it made when it was made and we were so enmeshed in the as children during that time period like we, adults too yeah yeah they but i just mean with us because we didn't we were not in an age to have any sort of critical disposition you know when i was seven you were 10 you know i mean like we were red dawn came out the same year so we're like looking at it through the lens of the soviets are going to come and invade there's going to be nuclear bombs blah 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 you know just fear you know and hatred now it's a different type of fear and hatred yeah at some point the fear and hatred of the united states is that chicken's going to come to roost yeah you guys you're going to love that comment aren't you That'll, that'll be one for your books. Well, if they don't know that people fucking fear and hate us, then they probably should pull their head out of their ass. Um, Because I think when you... Even if... Like when I used to go to Romania all the time, those guys, the ones that... Well, and strangely, like people outside of the U.S. pay attention to global politics much more Way than... Way more. The yeah, United when I States lived in Canada, does. I was bitch slapped over that point. But they would always talk about the U.S. and there was there was fear there, but it wasn't fear that we were going to attack Romania. It was more fear like we were going to attack the wrong country or the wrong organization, and they they never gave names. I mean, none of them were thrilled that Donald Trump was our president. But um, just little things like that. So even if they don't necessarily hate us or fear that we're going to attack them directly, they understand that our stupidity could cause their downfall yeah. regardless. That's, that seems like pretty reasonable. I remember when I was in China in 2016, um, like in most of the places I was at, nobody spoke English because the further west you go, like the less less people spoke. But I remember a few times people saying, what in the fucking world is going on in your country right now? Like like the grips of reality were, were falling out of our hands and there would be potentially horrible consequences for everybody at that point in time, which given what you just said about the Romanians was a pretty reasonable well on the i mean the brits were kind of the same way again not afraid that we were going to attack them yeah, yeah. but afraid because we do a lot of fucking stupid shit that impacts a lot of people even if you're just talking about impacts the people of one hemisphere it's a lot of fucking people mm -hmm. um and so it was just you know again the brits they fucking hated trump and wondered how the fuck he could ever get elected and which is weird because boris johnson was he was aligned with that same sort just to a, to a, to an extent he was aligned with the, some of trump's positions 
Yeah, but when you're talking to the people yeah, that's versus... Different. That's different. Okay, okay. Because I didn't talk to anybody in Parliament or you the didn't. Prime Minister or anybody. There's Big Ben. There's Parliament. <laughs> Look, kids. Big Ben. Parliament. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, all right. We went off topic again. Well, kind of. Not really. But we're over an hour. We're coming up on an hour 15 again. Do you want to talk about some more shit, or should we wrap it up? Do you know what next episode is going to be? I don't know. We talked about a few things, but I don't know. What 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 do you... You brought up two things. I have no idea, dude. I bring up things all the time, and usually you say, I don't know, i got to think about it. <laughs> well, maybe we'll just surprise them. We'll talk about it. Okay, next episode is going to be a surprise. And I'm sure that you'll be pleasantly surprised. Or not so pleasantly surprised. Yeah, depending on your outlook. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap this thing up. You can reach us via email at shortbusdebateclub at yahoo.com. 720-334-ROLL. That is the phone number. So give us a call, shoot us an email. Thanks for listening. Adios.